Hello and welcome to the Irish Fire Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Halton. I'm an entrepreneur, investor, and financial independence enthusiast, sharing my financial freedom journey. Stay tuned and welcome aboard. I hope you are doing well. Firstly, apologies that I missed my usual Friday slot. You guys will likely be aware that I typically try to release an episode every second Friday, but I missed yesterday because we were away on our yearly holiday. We chose North Kerry this time and it is a fantastic part of the country. Even though the weather wasn't great, there's still plenty to do. We had good fun and we certainly didn't let the weather spoil the occasion. We still got in a couple of swims as well, so it was a great holiday overall. A couple of weeks back, I was interviewed by Joshua from the Art of Money podcast. You're likely aware that I interviewed him initially, and then he returned the favor and interviewed myself, so I thought it might be nice to put that interview on my own podcast. So without further ado, let's jump over to the interview. To talk briefly about my own story, I'm a little bit nervous coming on your podcast, Joshua, because my story is definitely extreme and perhaps unrelatable, which is a bit of a concern for me. But the fundamentals of the FIRE movement are the same no matter no matter where you're starting, what your income and expenses are. And anybody pursuing early retirement, whether it's going to be 10 years, 15 years, 20 or even 30 years, you're going to have to make some pretty extreme decisions and you're going to have to be uncomfortable in one way or another. So we're definitely uncomfortable from the expenses side, right? So we just got through the month of May and we actually managed to save a little bit of money that we needed to, but it was hard. It was really hard. We, I sat down with my wife last night and said, we did it. We saved some money. And uh, being a family of five, it's, it's hard work. And, you know, you're dealing with inflation and everything. So that's the first uncomfortable aspect. It would be far easier just to go, let's not worry about the finances and spend it. But to actually budget in and track your expenses and go through all of that, it's difficult. So that's the first part. And then the second part of being uncomfortable is obviously the income aspect and looking to ways to boost your income. So I've been very fortunate that I, from an age of 16, just happened to have an interest in web design and making websites and made a career out of that. It was an accident. I went and did a business degree thinking I'd go in the business field. And by the time I got out of university, I already had enough clients to go and become a freelance web developer, which I did for many years. And then more recently, since COVID, have been contracting for some fairly large companies. And again, completely accidental. And I think we all see from COVID negative and positive impacts from it. And for me, that's been a game changer in terms of being able to pick up work for fairly decent day rates that previously I would have had to go into an office. So again, a little bit of luck, a huge element of luck there involved. And then you know, once you start this journey and you start to get get down the line, you start to realize, my goodness, this thing's going to take forever. You know, how long do you want to be uncomfortable for? And so we made the decision there uh, almost two years ago now for me to actually start picking up extra jobs. So for a while, I was actually working during the day and then I'd pick up a US contract at the nighttime and was effectively working somewhere up to anywhere between 60 to 80 hours per week in this pursuit of financial independence, because by doubling your income, you actually reduce your time to fire by four because you're effectively keeping your expenses the same, but you've got so much more income to put in. So it was side hustle extreme is probably the best way that I would describe it. But again, completely unrelatable in terms of not many people would make that decision. But the fundamentals are still the same, that regardless of how big the numbers got, being uncomfortable and being okay with being uncomfortable and pushing yourself, that was kind of one of the decisions that we made to actually try and try and make this thing happen a little bit faster than, than maybe the standard retirement. 
It's one of the things that I admire most about your podcast, and I can't remember how I came across it, but I didn't listen in chronological order. But if you if you were to, so for anyone that hasn't discovered your podcast, to go back to the beginning and to listen in that way, it's very much a journey, and it's this journey that sums up anyone's financial independence journey. Because it's not it's not a straightforward journey, and I love the fact that you're always tweaking your mindset. You you say something one week, and then maybe the next time it's it's tweaked. Your your mentality is, has developed a little bit, or you've just you've done a U-turn. You said, "Well, I made a mistake there. I've got to go down this path." I find that very very fascinating. And and hey, look, with a family of of five, that's a it's a big family, and there's always going to be some challenges about making sure that the savings rate is where you want it to be. Tapping into your your comment about an extreme side nature. I wonder, first of all, where do you think that that comes from, that that drive to to want to get to that place? Is it moving towards a particular financial goal or is it a a lifestyle dream that you have? Tell me about that. Yeah, it's it's been a little bit of digging yourself out of a hole sometimes, you know. I I think if you obsess over something and think about something all the time, you're going to have mindset shifts all the time. It's natural. Now where I am with work, I work a standard 40 hour week and I actually enjoy my my day. As it is, Joshua, we're recording this in the middle of a Thursday, right? My work isn't going to bother me. I've got flexible hours. So everything there is is great. I've got a lovely flexible work arrangement and it suits my family life balance. But for many years, that wasn't the case. And so I naturally thought the way to get out of this is to work harder and to work longer. And it was a, it was a mistake in the sense because I didn't see another way out. I didn't see an option of actually trying to find a way to enjoy work. And that's only been something that has come recently. But I think furthermore, there's, there's one other point I'd like to make on it, which which I think is, is probably where I was at. And I think we all go through this with our fire journeys. And I recently received an email from a listener uh, of the podcast that was quite critical of my approach. And he said something like, can't you just find a balance? Why do you have to do all these extremes? You go from not working, at one stage I was only working 15 hours a week to working 80 hours a week to working back to 40 hours a week. And he was almost annoyed that I hadn't just found this nice happy medium. And the point was that I actually sat down, I reflected on that quite a lot. And I realized that when we start this fire movement, we start off potentially with a savings rate of zero. And we work on reducing our expenses and increasing our income. And eventually we might get our savings rate to 50%. And we make this huge discovery. Well, if I only worked half as much as I did now, my lifestyle would be exactly the same. I may not save anything, but I could let compounding maybe start to kick in. And so when you start, when you maybe save up, say, 100,000 euros or pounds or whatever currency, you might start to realize that you can actually just kick back and let Coast Fire kick in for a while and work half as much. So that was my kind of first realization. When I'd saved up, I think, around 80,000 euros at the time, I quickly realized, well, hang on, I could sit back here for a while. So I did that. And that was fine. I did that for a year or two. And then eventually I realized, ah, oh, this compounding's taking too long. Surely I could hurry this up a little bit. So I went back to work full time again to try and boost it along again. And then I got really carried away and thought, my goodness, if I could take this opportunity in this one, then all of a sudden I could really get there faster. So you naturally go through these cycles, but none of this is sustainable. You know, in the one case, you're working less, but you're not feeling like you're getting ahead. And in the other case, you're working too much. And then you feel like you're actually going too fast. You don't have enough time for family. So then you cut back again and you find a nice balance and you're constantly readjusting. And that's okay because we're all doing whatever we can. As I mentioned earlier, we're all uncomfortable in this journey. And we're just trying to find a way to get through each day with a little bit more comfort each day as we go until eventually the compounding will start doing its thing and all will hit our fire number and we can sit back and relax. Absolutely. I like this word comfort because it is something that we're striving for. It's something I remind myself of all the time that 
in financial independence, I'm looking for a way to achieve that comfort, but with less resources. And that means cutting corners sometimes or, or just going the extra mile. But it's absolutely possible to, to do. I happen to find that quite fun. However, I, I am noticing, and I heard on another podcast recently, someone saying, where have all the financial independence influencers gone or, or people talking about personal finance? It seems to have gone very, very quiet since inflation. And I do see an increasing amount of, of people on Reddit groups or Facebook groups that have started post-pandemic in inflation territory and describing exactly what you've said, saying, this, this, I can't do this. How am I supposed to keep up? This, this isn't possible. And what I like about your podcast is you document that journey, those ups, those downs, and you, you document the frustrations. And I think due, due to my nature, I find it quite fun somehow finding the frugal way or or, or, or finding that solution. So I, I do find that fun. And I notice that in other people that comes at more of, more of a cost. So, so if you notice that about yourself, it's good to be aware of that, isn't it? Because you're always, if you're in a job that you don't like, and you're cutting corners, which you don't like, you're not going to stay on that path very long. So you've got you've got to give yourself those those things that are going to keep you on on the straight and, and narrow, right? Yeah, hundred percent. And I think that's that's really it. Like I, I would always be aware of where I am each and every day. Am I happy? I'd always ask that question. Am I happy in this role? And do I want to be here long term? And even recently in, in the contract I'm working at the moment, I started to get a little bit frustrated with the work and I actually reached out to my team leader and I said, look, I don't want to do it this way anymore. I want us to start going in this direction. And he didn't know it at the time, but basically what I was saying was, if you want me to stick around long term, we need to go in this direction. And lo and behold, he was like, yeah, let's, let's do it. That sounds great. And so it was one of those things where I changed my course. Most people would have just stayed the path of unhappiness. And I, because I was proactive on this, because I was making sure I was in a happy place, I changed the path directly by, by going and, and making it a little bit of an issue. Love that. Very good. So perhaps we described that you have these, these ups and downs, but could you just sum up in a, in a few sentences, what, what is financial independence to to you what what is that going to look like now what is it going to look like in the future yeah and and maybe i might even come back to your previous question there when you mentioned that there isn't a huge amount of financial influences now than, than there was even four or five years ago so i'd actually might start that question by saying what was it versus what it is today because it has changed and i think having a podcast that started before covid if you go back to listen to previous episodes pre-covid there is a different tone in the episodes because everything's changed now and i mean financial samurai i don't know if you follow um sam's blog at financial samurai yeah he made the shock announcement there in april that he's returning to work so the guy saved three million he's got a portfolio of three million and he's returning back to work now he does live in san francisco so you know his numbers are going to be extreme compared to ours maybe not so much yours joshua being in london but um his numbers are obviously going to be extreme but the big conclusion that he made was that these days with work flexibility and work from home and all the power that comes with that that the traditional fire movement has largely changed significantly. And so for me, it was definitely a case of that, that previously I had maybe 10 clients freelancing, wanted to try and escape this freelance business and get out of that and, and look for financial independence because I wanted work to not exist at all. And the longer that you, I've been down the journey, I've realized, well, actually, if I can find work that I am passionate about, that pays maybe not as much as other work, but I actually enjoy, that that's a huge part of it. So we've now got to a stage where we actually hit Flamingo Fire just yesterday. So I did the portfolio there yesterday and lo and behold, we've hit our halfway point. There's definitely a sense of freedom that comes with that. And really 
the further you go down the journey, the more options you give yourself. So in theory, as it is, if I stopped investing and saving today and just let that portfolio compound in the background, it would hit our FI number somewhere between 10 and 15 years time. So we have this this flexibility and freedom that comes with it. And obviously great peace of mind knowing that you have this massive investment portfolio behind you. So from that point of view, it's great. But I'm, I'm still fairly keen to to make work optional for myself. I think even in retirement, I'm sure you're the same, Joshua, be, being a self-employed and in, in, a, in a creative career, work will always play a part of that. But to have work as an optional thing, like for example, today, look, it's a lovely, beautiful day. We've had a lovely spell of weather here in Ireland. I should be on the golf course today. And that's that's probably what I would have done. But ironically, and this is this is something that you don't think about. So I'm 39 now, right? And for years, I've, I've been a hockey player for years. So I get back problems on and off. And since I stopped working the two jobs, which I gave up about four weeks ago, I started playing golf three times a week. And sometimes just nine holes, sometimes just go down for a practice for an hour, you know, whatever. And I've started playing well and it's it's been good. And I love getting out on the golf course. I'm happy just to go down and play by myself and, and everything. But now I can barely walk. My back is so sore that I can, uh, I can barely move. So I'm trying to prepare myself for a game of golf tomorrow and I'm trying to work out how the heck can I get my back right to go and play golf. Chances are I'll only get three holes in and I'll have to give up. So the funny thing is, is that you, you, we're constantly pursuing something in, in the fire, in our fire journeys. And my thing was, oh, wouldn't it be great to play golf every day? You know, that's what I'd play golf every day. That'd be great. And then you realize that your body simply just can't handle it. You know, so you know, you're not prepared for it. You know, um, I've been sitting at a desk for 80 hours a week for the last 18 months. I can't suddenly go and spend six hours a, a week walking around a golf course. It's just not, uh, it just doesn't work. So, you know, the whole thing is is interesting. And I'm definitely in a, in a curious place when it comes to, to long-term fire. I think for anybody that goes and maybe puts like, in my, in my case, five or six years of hard work and you do get to a stage, wouldn't it be nice just to just to cut things back now and, and find more sustainability in the journey? And as I mentioned, those extremes earlier, start to remove some of those extremes a bit and, and live a little now. So there's always a little bit of that in your head, but it is very much a two, yeah, you're, you're always in two minds. Yeah, we, we have three investment properties and I promised my wife, I promised her we wouldn't buy any more. But what was I doing yesterday at five o'clock? I was out looking at an open home. I was in there. I was talking to the auctioneer. I was doing my thing. You know, I knew the auctioneer by, by first name. We, what, Limerick's a very small place. You, you get to know everybody by name. So I'm in there wearing my flip-flops and uh, and shorts and having a chat. And yeah, I called her up this morning. I said, oh, what's the status of the house? And she said, oh, there's an offer for 200000 And I went, oh, that was the price I was willing to pay. I said, I'll leave it. I'll leave it. But like, that's not, you know. That, that, that's not a person that's uh, that's cutting back. That, that's a person that's going the opposite direction. So, you know, there's always challenges in this and there's always going to be opportunities that come up. And as much as you can plan for something, you don't always know what, what it's going to be like until you're there. You know, so it's uh, I very much take it day by day these days. Try and find happiness every day and you know, make, make sure that you're happy that that, you know, you've got a great relationship with, with your with your partner, your family, your kids all of that sort of stuff. There's always fundamentals. Everybody has fundamentals. So one of my fundamentals is picking my kids up from school, dropping them up to school. I'll always make sure that I can do that. I love walking them in. I love that feeling of being able to walk. My youngest is six. I love walking them into school, knowing that I don't have to rush back to the car, that I can take my you know, take the extra five minutes if I need to, to make sure that he's settled into school before I go back to the car. Because you see, you see so many families and so many so many parents dropping kids off and they're pushing them out the car door because they're late for a meeting. So there's certain fundamentals that you have. So I mentioned earlier, maybe going to play around a golf at lunchtime or even just nine holes, never a full round, just nine holes of golf at lunchtime. Something like that is always a nice thing to have that you feel like you're winning a little bit, you know, because it is it is difficult day to day to to get through. And like, look, life is difficult. Life. I mean, we're blessed in the we're blessed in the in the first world. We we really are so much more than than what we probably think about every every day. But um, to find something that 
that uh, allows you to get through each day and and enjoy life, I think, whilst you're on your fire journey is uh, is a massive part of it. Absolutely love that. I have one follow-up question because you you dropped so many truth bombs there that it's just fantastic. And I, I wanted to put you on the spot and ask, with that slightly, let's call it a pessimistic outlook, with someone starting off now, everything feels like it's against them. Is it still possible for someone starting out now, perhaps their early 30s, late 20s, and they say, right, I'm interested in this, but cost of living's gone up, I've got rent to pay, I would love to get on the housing ladder, but I can't make it happen. Is financial independence still possible for someone like that? What kind of changes do they need to make in order for that to happen? Yeah, you've obviously thought about this as well, and it is it is something I think about all the time. It is difficult, and I do have friends who are looking to get into the property ladder and they can't whereas we were able to do it 10 years ago on a 10,000 euro deposit you know that, that's how silly it was and there was definitely an element of luck there when i started our fire journey in 2018 like even the share market's probably a good example i remember talking to friends about the share market oh share market's at a record high why would you bother investing in that they said you know so there's always this thing of now was bad and yesterday was better that fundamentally that that still exists however whilst Inflation sucks and cost of living sucks. And yeah, housing is more expensive, especially in cities like London. There's also a few things that are, I think, better than what existed back 10, five years ago. And that's particularly around the job market. So Ireland, for example, just has a record, record unemployment of 3.8%. So we've never, in the state's history, it's never been that low. And so there are income opportunities available. And I mentioned the decision that we made as a family to effectively take on two jobs or at least work a side hustle and all of that. So there are decisions that we can make to try and get ahead, try and kind of beat that curve a little bit is is what I like to call it. So there's definitely ways around it. And inflation isn't going to be here forever, right? Inflation will eventually come back down to something more normal. It's not going to continue on. And secondly, with inflation, I actually, I'm a big believer that personal inflation is more of an issue than actual inflation. And I give this story all the time, and it's it's a silly example, but it, it gets the story across, is that toilet paper virtually doubled in Ireland in 12 months. And I now buy the cheaper version of toilet paper and nobody in the family has ever noticed. So I'm still buying toilet paper for the same price that we used to buy the luxury brand for, but nobody's noticed. So that's a simple decision that's allowed us to effectively beat that concept of inflation. What What is interesting in it, in this society, I find in my generation, and this is a gross generalization, and I, there's someone in my family that I'm thinking of, and look, it's not an ideal situation. They're in the they're working in the public sector, so their wages have not gone up anywhere near with inflation. However, there is that sense of entitlement. I used to buy this, I want to afford this, and therefore my personal habits are not going to not going to change. And that's where actually then there's less money in your pocket to buy things that you like. And just some small adjustments, which, and I'm, okay, fine, I'm interested in these kind of things, but someone buying the the ready-made rice packet versus just getting a kilo of rice and just learning how to do that, you say, you, you would save so much money from that one tiny habit, but there's a reluctance to change the habits. Why is that? I don't know. Well, it's it's comfortable to, to stay the same. It's comfortable to have those niceties, and no one wants to take those things away from you. I'm exactly the same. However, being on the financial independence journey, I'm always always looking to optimize. So something like the toilet rolls all over it. Yeah. So my my cost has gone up since the pandemic, but I'm always trying to buy in bulk just because that's that's something you always need. You just stick it in the cupboard and make sure it's, <laughs> it's there. And I'm always looking to optimize, but there is the reluctance 
to let some things go because there are comforts in life, right? I can understand that. Yeah, big time. And to be fair, even when diesel and petrol prices were up, they were over well over two euros a litre here, I started walking to the supermarket, right? Now, I was probably saving, let's say I was saving 80 cents for the journey. But fundamentally, I was like, look, whatever whatever difference I can make here, it's going to make me feel better about myself. And I was getting exercise in, so it wasn't all bad. But even the food example there, like pasta and pasta sauce is about as cheap as you can get. And it's sometimes yummy. You know, there are ways that we can optimize meals if we want to. And our, our food budget has actually remained the same since all of this lifestyle and cost of living, but our buying habits have changed significantly since that. So like, okay, I kind of, some days I do miss salmon. Right, so salmon's a good example. Salmon is an expensive, when you look at what you're paying per kilo, extremely expensive versus say hake. And look, every so often we will reward ourselves with salmon, but we certainly don't buy salmon once a week like we used to. So there's certainly been changes from that point of view to, to, to adjust for that. Because as I mentioned earlier, we have to be uncomfortable. And, and that entitlement thing that you mentioned earlier, yeah, that's that's a huge part of it. But look, to come back to your original question, I, I, I better answer it. So if we go back to even the richest man in Babylon, a, a story back potentially thousands of years ago, the fundamentals there are still the same. Spend less than you earn, save the difference. And fundamentally, all that we're looking to change here, and no matter where we are and where we start the year that we start, and obviously it does make a difference. If somebody were to start in, say, 2010, 2011, and they've caught this massive 10-year bull run, obviously that's going to make a difference. But fundamentally, if we can make this change and, and do this thing where we start saving a percentage of our income, then really the only thing that's changing is how long it's going to take us to hit FI. That's the only fundamental thing that changes. And my best year, from financial point of view, was last year. I saved more last year than I did any other year previously by a landslide. And this year will be second to that. And, and that's, that's not accounting for returns. That's just the amount that we save. Because the thing is, there's always this thing, the world's getting harder. Every year, the world's getting harder. But I'm a firm believer that we as humans will get wiser, better, and stronger, right? We will, we will get better at our craft. We will get better at saving money. We'll get better at just handling things in the world. That even though the world is getting harder and we're getting these obstacles thrown at us, we will be able to overcome those and find a way to overcome those, you know? Sometimes we underestimate that, in certainly in the financial independence community, but, but generally either. We have this idea that our, our investments are going to return so much and, and we're going to live this rich lifestyle. But the reality is, for a long, long, long time, it's your investment contributions that need to do the heavy lifting. And that means that you need to put the money into the market or into the, the bricks and mortar to get that money put to work and, and to, for it to do its best. And I, I'm so interested here in the UK at least I'm always reading that that negativity towards people doing doing well or reaching their goals and a, and a famous example here was there was a, a TV personality and she does this property program and she came under fire for saying something like and I'm not quoting, but just gen generalizing here. If you cancel your Netflix subscription, you'll be able to afford a house deposit. Now, of course, when you when you sum it up like that, it sounds absolutely stupid. But I do think that there, there is something in that behavior that is quite core, actually, that if you do say, you know what, it's not a lot of money, but it, it's the principle here. I'm going to cut down on that thing. And it's that one behavior that may lead you towards finding some other things or using that time that you would spend watching Netflix and getting a side hustle or something like that. So it, it's part of a bigger question. Sometimes in the media, we see these big headlines and we just 
we just read it and, and they want us to think in a binary way. It's this or it's that, it's rich or it's poor. But there's much more nuance. And I see that from your podcast, the nuance of a, of a journey. People listening to this certainly have their nuances and their ups and downs as well. But one of the reasons that I do turn up and do my podcast every week is, is to try at least and to share those stories, to keep people on the straight and narrow. Because I, I, I do believe that small habits over a long time can make a big, big difference and it can change your behavior. And if you continue to do that now, your future self will thank you and your future self will be able to have far many opportunities, whether that's being generous with your money, whether it's starting charities, whether it's it's not only about spending time at the golf course, it's it's other things as well. And spending time at the golf course is it's a lovely thing to do as well. I, I think that sounds great. <laughs> yeah, and, and maybe I should talk a little bit about some of the community stuff. Sorry, Joshua, there's a rubbish truck going past. So in Ireland, we privatized everything. So I have a different rubbish truck company coming past my house every single day. Yeah, it's crazy. Privatization, eh? What you've hit on there is, is really is really fundamental. And look, I, I agree. Somebody canceling the Netflix subscription isn't going to make a difference. However, the mentality of doing that and compounding that over time is what makes a difference. Probably the best example I can give you, and, and I, I recommend you try this. I, I think everybody should try this because this is great fun, is, okay, so I've got a friend and every week the friend spends 20 euros on lottery, right? Every week. He's, ne he's never won. So I said to him one day, ah, so you, said, you spend a thousand euros a year on lottery. He goes, huh? No, I spend 20 euros a week. I said, yeah, you spend a thousand euros a year. He hadn't realized that his 20 euros a week was actually a thousand euros a year. You know, that was a thousand euros that he could have been saving and investing. And let's assume for a second, let's assume he does well in the market and, and returns 7.2%. That's, that's, that's actually, that's two, that's 20,000 euros over 10 years when you, when you actually put it in place, if he was actually saving and investing that regularly and, and receiving that return over, over a long term, right? So it's a significant amount of money that he didn't realize that he was actually throwing away each week. So yeah, actually, I'll, I'll talk about my community projects. Yeah, so you, you mentioned, obviously, I've been a little bit biased so far mentioning golf. And, and uh, obviously, golf is, because my back's bad, I, I'm missing golf even more at the moment. But there is a heap of stuff that you can do you know, once once you start to, to have more time freedom. And, and I took my time freedom early back in 2019. And the reason I launched a podcast at the time was because I was working part-time. And the funny thing was, I was chatting to a neighbor one day about the fact that I'd made this decision to start working part-time. My youngest child was only one or two at the time, so I wanted to spend more time with him anyway. She pulled me aside one day and said, you need to get back working full-time. You're not contributing enough to society. You need to be working full-time to be, to be maximizing your tax intake. And there's a great irony to this. So I, I heard her out, and I obviously didn't, I didn't change anything. And so I ended up setting up the local hockey club here. And the, the hockey club now is 200 members. It's, it's a well-established club. It's four or five years old. And I started because I had all this free time and I was able to get it going. And the funny thing was that her child joined the hockey club, right? <laughs> so her definition of not giving back to society, and there I was giving back to society in a far more way than a financial way. It's important to understand that you need to build a life outside of work sooner rather than later because when it comes to actually retiring one day, or at least, and, and the truth is none of us are actually going to go and fall off a cliff when it comes to retirement. I think this is one of the, the big modern realizations of the FIRE movement. And particularly if you check out something like moneyflamingo.com, Tina's great at talking about this stuff. And she talks about the slow, gradual journey to FIRE. And the truth is one day I'll eventually go from working full time to six hours a day, to five, to four, to three, to two, to one, and then maybe only a couple of hours a week until eventually it'll be zero. So you won't even feel the stretch to retirement. It'll just happen gradually. 
regularly. And thus having some sort of passion projects outside of work is quite important because it's going to give you that fulfillment that you need. Because I read I read a comment recently on Facebook of somebody that works three times a week complaining about how bored he was for 16 hours a day. He said that it's actually hard to fill the time because he hadn't planned for that. So it's, it's certainly something to think about and community projects, whatever you can get involved in, uh, are definitely, definitely important, you know? Absolutely agreed. And I, I love that story about the hockey club. So I have a series of questions that I ask every single podcast guest. And the first is, can you name an embarrassing financial memory or purchase? Yeah, I was almost going to say my current car because it's constantly in the shop. Uh, if you ever get a, uh, a European car, a French car, that's, that's always one. I made the mistake many, many years ago, back in 2006. I moved to Australia with my partner at the time. So we'd been living in New Zealand. We moved to Australia and we had this mindset of whatever we buy, we're going to spend a lot of money on because we're going to be here forever. And so we bought a whole lot of expensive stuff, expensive furniture. I remember spe- I remember spending, I must have been close to 500 pounds on a Dyson vacuum. <laughs> it was a small two bedroom apartment. What did we need? It was a pet one. What did we didn't even have a pet? Um, I took up a golf membership with the local course that was a that was 2000 Australian dollars a year, which must be close to a thousand pounds a year. And at the time it was a bargain. And I do that in, in, in double quotes because I was under 25. So I didn't have to pay the $5,000 joining fee and everything was extreme. And we were basically on our knees. Our credit cards were absolutely rammed. And I remember being happy by the fact that I could make the minimum repayment every month on the credit cards. I think I had eight at one stage because this mindset had, had shifted up so badly uh, around this concept of we have to buy forever. So yeah, uh, vacuum cleaners, couches, you know, we should have just been picking up secondhand couches. And the funny thing was, the ironic thing about all this stuff is that whilst I had the expensive golf membership, the expensive couch and the expensive vacuum cleaner, we couldn't afford a car. So I used to have to take the bus to golf, put my golf clubs on the bus to get to golf. We've, we'd spent so much money on all this other stuff. We hadn't been able to actually buy the things that we actually needed. And we were completely blindsided by that. You know? Amazing. That's a great one. Thank you so much for sharing. <laughs> And the next question is, can you recommend a financial resource? It could be a podcast, a YouTube channel that you find interesting, perhaps on the smaller scale that people can go and check out. Yeah. So this, believe it or not, this one video, one YouTube video, I'll, I'll send you the link. You've probably seen it already. But for me, it's the best 40 minutes of financial independence that you can fundamentally get. And the best part about it is that it is the fundamentals of the movement, which is Mr. Money Mustache's 2016. He had a conference there and he talks about the stick people and about how, you know, when we were, when we were back hundreds of years ago that we were just living in a small community and that we were happy and all the stuff about consumerism and, and all that sort of stuff. And and for me, it's, it's fundamental. And he talks about the fact that most of us should be able to retire within 10 years if we if we prioritize correctly. For, for me, that video really capsulates everything about, about the movement in a very short space of time. I continually watch that video at least twice a year just to remind myself of, of the message that that, that brings. Fantastic. But most importantly, where can people find more information about you? So yeah, you can check me out at firepodcast.ie, so www.firepodcast.ie, or just enter in the Irish Fire Podcast into your podcast platform. And yeah, certainly come along. I, I have a monthly newsletter as well, and I get quite specific with the numbers and uh, everything about the journey that uh, as we progress. Fantastic. Thank you so much for the conversation today. I really enjoyed it. It was great. Thanks for coming on. Oh, thank you so much, Joshua. This was a lot of fun. <laughs>